0: Chapter six, know how you serve. No bullshit leadership. At this point, we've talked about how culture works, how to design a new culture, and the tools you can use. Funny enough, we've not yet talked about who is going to actually do this. Don't look around. You know that unless you've already handed this book to someone else, that person is you. You won't have to do all the work, but you will have to lead it. And now it's time that we arm you as a leader. Consider this next section as your personal dojo of learning. First, it doesn't matter what your title is. Leadership is simply setting a clear intention and rallying whatever resources you need to make things happen. And if your goal is to create any kind of culture shift, you are going to be a leader. You most likely are not qualified to do this. However, acting like a leader will make you qualified. It's a real paradox of leadership. You are not fit for the job, and yet by doing it, you become fit for the job. Unfortunately, most leadership training is not built on this principle. It's built on a model that doesn't work because it's not based on doing. No bullshit leadership. I was sitting next to a recent MBA graduate on an airplane. He mentioned that he had taken classes that focused on leadership. I asked how many of the classes involved hands-on leadership activities versus simply taking in information. He replied that aside from a few role-playing scenarios, it was all information. This is essentially like paying someone five figures to learn how to play baseball by watching and analyzing the best World Series games with a few scrimmages in between. True leadership cannot be taught. It must be experienced. Now consider the leadership training of Tony Robbins' coaches. In one case, they were driven 30 miles from their hotel and given only an apple and a quarter. Their mission was to get back to the hotel within 24 hours and convince someone to come with them. Or look at the leadership training provided by Rick Roy, a former leader in the Navy SEALs. On the first day, their students are woken up at midnight, dropped in the pitch-black ocean, and required to swim a mile to shore. It brings up every possible fear, and each student must master his or her own emotions in order to succeed. Now, you don't have to risk your life to learn as a leader but there is no escaping the need for experience over simply reading. At Zappos Insights, we would create experiences for our guests. They were given missions. They were thrown into social situations. They were put on the hot seat about their challenges. They were constantly up and out of their seats, engaging in culture rather than just reading about it. Our team would learn by simply experimenting with these techniques, often with no practice runs, which created more space for serendipity. Of course, Many people in the rooms had much more experience with leadership than we did. By observing leaders both inside and outside the company, I noticed trends. They say success leaves clues. And there was a consistency of habits in the most effective leaders. These habits are summarized in the next section. Traits of highly successful people. Success goes beyond great ideas and hard work. The annals of business history are filled with amazing ideas that went nowhere and people working 90-hour weeks with nothing to show for it. Forget the concept that the best ideas win, or that you can work yourself into success. Instead, it's about how you as a leader operate within a larger community. While we said that leadership cannot be taught via information, the amazing leaders who went before us did leave some breadcrumbs on their journey that will help us follow their trail. Let's talk about clues from highly successful people. These tips are not about good management skills. This is not about Leadership 101. What follows are some rarely noticed, unexpected, and slightly unusual traits of successful leaders that can only be observed through close interactions. Be succinct. Great leaders are exceptionally brief with their words. They have very little time, so they are careful and concise, and when they speak, people really listen. They realize that words are a great resource, so they use them conservatively, whether in emails, conversations, or meetings. Creating awkwardness is okay. Many of us spend time worrying about how others around us feel. We pay attention to the dynamics of the room and who is thinking what. Great leaders don't really give a you-know-what. They are respectful and polite, but they don't care if you feel awkward around them. They will end conversations abruptly if there's nothing to talk about. Or if they're thinking, they may simply stand there as you wonder what you're supposed to do. This is mainly because they're focused on something else. Focus on what's most important and put all else aside. Great leaders are focused on creating what they want. So other things such as small talk, idle chatter, wondering what's for dinner, looking up sports scores, anything that is not directly important to their purpose are left aside. First things first, second things never. Spend little time on Facebook and Twitter. I rarely see a strong leader spend a lot of time on social media. Maybe after they accomplish something and then write a book they want to promote. But otherwise, I hardly hear of them spending much time on Facebook. If they do, they tend to only use it as a broadcast medium, as a way to share with others what they are doing. This is fine, but procrastinating by looking through the news feed is not something they would do. Break through a limiting belief. Limiting beliefs hold back any leader from accomplishing a task. The only way to create a new belief is to do something that you previously thought was impossible. And keep doing this as a habit. The result? You will be able to lead from a true place of empathy since you have been through this journey yourself. As your team faces obstacles and finds themselves limited by their own beliefs, you'll know how to guide them because you do not need them to change from an emotional place. You will come from a place of experience and service to their own learning. Stay out of touch. Time is a precious commodity. So if leaders spent time staying in touch with every person they knew, they would never get anything done. Leaders focus their interactions on either those they deeply care about or those who are related to their goals. Plus, they devote a small percentage of time to giving back by mentoring and advising. Relate differently to reality. Tony Shea's big turning point, described in his book Delivering Happiness, was when a woman at a party said, create your own universe, and the universe will form around you. Great leaders think differently about what's possible and actively create their own worlds to live in. Do you spend your time going to other people's events and functions, or do you create your own? Obsess over learning. Leaders are aware that the world is constantly changing and that those who adapt the fastest win. Learning constantly allows you to adapt. How are you learning and turning that learning into action as fast as possible? Be direct. The easiest way to keep your integrity and get out of your head is to simply state what you really mean. Yes, there are certainly better ways to say things than others, but hiding information, hedging, and fudging slow down your ability to create reality. People trust a no-bullshit leader because they always know where he or she stands. The more direct and transparent a leader is, the higher the trust in that leader. The most frustrating leaders are those who are unclear about who they are and what they stand for. Credit others for success. Take the blame when things go wrong. This comes out of the epic book Good to Great by Jim Collins. Across the board, great leaders exhibited this philosophy. When things are going really well, they are the first to point out team members by name and tell about how they contributed to the win. Or the corollary. When things go wrong, they do not mention those same teammates. They cite all of the reasons for their own failings as a leader. This mindset develops a profound respect of all people for the leader. Those who serve the leader develop a tremendous sense of trust for the person who will back them up, even when they mess up. Build structures for time optimization. Leaders need their people to make more decisions so that they can be free to create the future. Napoleon used to ask his men to write to him for decisions rather than ask for a meeting. It would take three days for a letter to get to him. He knew that many decisions would be made before those three days were up, and only those that had not would actually deserve his attention. How much do you know about time-saving techniques? Start with the book Getting Things Done by David Allen. Also hear hack your meetings in the Culture Toolkit chapter. Announce your intentions. Can you announce your intentions so clearly and succinctly? That everyone understands it and how they fit in? If you don't, then listen to the vision section in the lay of the foundation chapter. John Kennedy said, and this is vastly paraphrased in order to make a point we will put a man on the moon and bring him back safely to the earth within this decade. Any questions? Simple, clear, powerful. When a leader announces intentions, that leader becomes a visionary. Build trust. It may sound like a cliche, but leaders who have lost it know that it's no joke. It's very simple. Trust comes down to two things. One, say what you mean. People can tell if information is being withheld or when words are minced. Two, do what you say you will do. The quickest way to build back trust is to make a promise and deliver on it immediately. You can wait until you're successful or you can start adopting these habits now and make success much easier and without delay. Stress is for amateurs. Great leaders take care of themselves so that they may take care of others. You hear it every time you take a flight. Secure your own oxygen mask before you help your child. Of course, the reason behind this is so you don't pass out and die as you're trying to help someone. If we do not engage in self-care, then we are forcing someone else to take care of us. In some cases, it could be your team, and that's when we become a drain on the system itself. Learn what makes you tick and how you operate best so that you can take care of your needs. Tools like the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator test, StrengthsFinder assessments, and DISC programs are good places to start. However, do not fall into the trap of getting obsessed with yourself. The ideal is to learn fast, primarily by your own experience, and then commit to tolerating near zero levels of stress. Culture is a feeling, so how you feel is ultimately guiding the culture. Do you feel stressed, constantly in a rush, not having fun? Then no matter what you say, you are contributing to a culture that values that. Your state of being is your highest leverage tool. Shifting a feeling is an instant culture change. Making new decisions from this new state of being Could shift your entire workplace. To serve yourself, you must know yourself. What do you need? What environment will work for you? What are your weaknesses? What triggers you? Triggering is what sets off your emotions. The most successful CEOs I've come to know rarely ever stress, or if they do, they never show it. Sometimes a person must have a cardiac arrest before they realize how much of a choice stress really is. For an easy five-minute meditation you can do to ease stress, there's a free download at www.cultureblueprint.com resources. The power of the one-to-one. While large-scale surveys are very powerful, never underestimate the power of a good one-on-one meeting. When companies are having a hard time with their culture, I ask, when was the last time you had a one-on-one extended sit-down with each of your direct reports? Often, they would say, a year earlier or never. Hearing someone out in a safe, confidential environment is perhaps the best way for you to get the pulse of what's going on. It also builds personal relationships and encourages people to get to know each other as people, rather than just in the context of work. So make sure to get off your work site, go to lunch or go for a walk. Try it in threes. If you want to take it up a level, go out in triads. For more on the why of triads, see the book Tribal Leadership. That way, you can leverage your time by getting to know two people at once, and you'll also strengthen the relationship between them. Make sure they are not two people who are always together, and also definitely pick out something, such as a skill or interest, that one has that you would like to mention to the other. Building up relationships in threes seems to be a steady unit of culture. Think about it the way three points are required to stabilize any plane in geometry. If two points are off, the third point can always stabilize it. The same thing happens in relationships. Strong one-on-one relationships with your team are the first step in building the alignment you need to drive culture. But who are the right people?